It's okay. I'm learning. And good thing I get to learn with you because you're so patient. <laughs> so we are recording. Um, hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Race Day Custom Podcast, where I'm your host, Ray, usually joined by my co-host, Covey, who is now four, which is insane. Um, Covey is actually getting therapy, so it's me solo today being your host. And um, for part four of our Better Speech Theory, we have Miss Lenora Edwards back again. We're so excited to have you always. <laughs> I'm so excited to spend time with you. I missed you over the last couple of weeks. So I'm it's very excited to be crazy. back with you. It's been crazy. It's been so hectic. Um, the weather here has been so up and down, which I think everybody is experiencing some sort of weirdness um, with the weather. But then, you know, we had like Super Bowl. We had Cubby's birthday. We just had all these things come together simultaneously. Completely. Um, but we are super excited for today's episode. Um, we're going to continue on with our theme of speech and kind of like every area of life. And so now it's time for the adults and the very seasoned adults or the elderly <laughs> um, and how speech can enhance their life and help them. So what I just think is phenomenal is when we started this journey of speech with Cubby, I just, I did not know how far down the rabbit hole went, so to speak, right? I just did not know that speech would even be useful as an adult because it's like, oh, you're already there. You kind of cemented in your ways at that point. Like, how can this help you? Um, what would you possibly use speech for? I think something that's been really noticeable is because I am a Texan. So there are times I have like that Southern twang when I talk and um, noticing that there's this, there's a space for accent modification, right? And I was like, man, I should have known that. <laughs> that's too funny. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And Absolutely. Absolutely. So especially when we, so you grew up in Texas. So your your loving affectionately referred to as Texas twang is absolutely beautiful, but it's also your dialect. It's where you it's the language of where you live. So it's very, 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 very appropriate to have that. I grew up in Brooklyn. I did not have ERs at a lot of, at the end of a lot of my words. So it was ma was for dinner. And truly, and and I loved my Brooklyn accent and to love the New Yorkers and all all fun things. And it was completely accepted because that was a dialect that was appropriate for where we lived. When it comes to accent modification, a lot of the clientele that we all have with better speech is people who are from a different country yes. who are working to effectively communicate in the areas that they live in. So a lot of the time, um, we we have a number of clients that are physicians from another country, and because they've now are living here in our country and they're trying to consistently communicate and, and effectively communicate with our culture, that accent modification is a beautiful handhold to help them transition more effectively so that they can communicate more effectively. And that's really what it's about. So it's not about taking away their culture or take or our culture dominating. It is simply to help bridge the gap between the way that they may be saying a word, which is appropriate in their area where they live, whether they speak English or something else. But having that accent component, which, like I said, was appropriate to now where they hear. And not that it's not appropriate. It's just that they're wanting to improve yeah. 
upon their intelligibility when they communicate with people. So that's really all it is. It's just that beautiful handholding that we we love to to provide as a service for online speech therapy with better speech. So I feel like I had a really interesting like deep dive into accent modification, <laughs> but not really, maybe like a life lesson. Uh, when I lived in Italy and mm. there's like, no, you don't say it like that. You say it like this. And then mm -hmm. I had learned Spanish before and Spanish and Italian are very similar at times. And so just getting that correction and just really trying to take the Texas out. <laughs> um, eventually it did, it did work. And then when I came back to Texas, I was speaking Italian because that's what I was around so much. And it's like, oh, wow. Okay, let me try to find it again. But mm -hmm. my whole family, they all talk like me or maybe some like a little bit more country. But you'll get the y'all, you'll get the Texas, mm -hmm. like you'll get all of that. <laughs> and it's completely appropriate. I actually, in, in the state of Pennsylvania that I live in, where I went to graduate school, they it was in a um, pretty fairly known town, Scranton. And you might have heard it from the office in Scranton. They say their A's differently. And so, for example, it wasn't an apple, which is now how I say it. it was an apple. And and I would even my husband's name has an A in it. And I would say it one way. And my sister's like, stop, you're saying it that way. Say it the other way. And it's just because it was appropriate for where it was. And it does fade in and it does fade out. And it's perfectly fine. It just kind of like depends. And then there are times where you feel like um a lot of the way people talk depending on where they're from it'll kind of stick to you mm -hmm. so you'll say one word like a californian one word like you're from louisiana one from like <laughs> it's just all these different places and it just kind of blends together to kind of make you like your own you and very so much is enunciating or approximating a lot more clearly and so now that he's doing that, I'm really wondering, like, if he's going to have a little accent and what that's going to be like, if he's going to be just talking like me because he hears me a lot or what that's going to be like. Yep. Um, and then I know on top of accent modification, and, you know, you were talking about um, an example you used of physicians or people in the medical field coming over to better articulate to their staff and then um, their patients and their families. Um, I saw that professional communication was in there as well, like public speaking and really helping people advance in that certain skill if they want to progress in their careers. I thought that was awesome. I didn't even know that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wildly awesome. I completely agree with you. And it definitely is a thing when we go out. So when when I went to graduate school and in graduate school, they give you foundational skills to help you know what to do when you get out in the field. So that's a great thing. When it comes to public speaking, I didn't particularly have a class on public speaking, but I had learned about public speaking through the career sets that I put myself in, but also through the additional classes or the additional education that I took to be able to help my clients. And public speaking, you know, a lot of the time people will think, oh, I have this big presentation to like 30 people, but public speaking can literally be going up to somebody at the grocery store and speaking in public. And it depends on how people have their, their desire to communicate, but also how comfortable they feel because they can feel very, very anxious, especially somebody who's not comfortable going up to somebody 
would then have a very difficult time making friends, going out on a date. And it can be very, very lonely. So as a speech pathologist, we do understand that. And we work very hard to make sure that that person is is cared for, but also how we can help them. Because even think about that, it takes a lot to send an email that says, hey, I would like to speak with a speech language pathologist on how to communicate better. And I'm terrified of that situation. So they really, it's um, it's wonderful that they are able to take those steps, but we do also work with people who are public speaking to whether it be a boardroom or a BNI room or to an audience of 500 people. How we communicate definitely matters and we want to be able to show up talking and sharing with people our knowledge and our services that we provide in a clear and effective way so that we can stand there with confidence and that's what we do a speech language pathologist. So also public speaking and also with um, fluency, especially with fluency, because people might fluently speak to you and I, no problem. Once they go up to do public speaking, their disfluencies or their their occurrences of having moments of stuttering or disfluency can go through the roof. And that can be very uncomfortable for them also. So we work with a variety of people and truly it comes back to communication. Are they able to communicate clearly and effectively the way that they want to? That's what's most important for our clients. I'm thinking back in college, there was this forced course called public speaking that you had to take. And then it <laughs> I, I see now how it can be pretty terrifying, right? Especially if you're not one to really just want to be so vocal, not by choice, but by force. Um, and I think it was just more like, get up there and talk and be confident and not so much of, hey, this is actually pretty scary. I don't feel comfortable doing this. You just want me to get up here and talk about what? Like, do you have a better way to walk me through that? And, um, and I was younger, I was so terrified to like, Mm -hmm. because like, no, I would only talk to my mom, my dad, and my brother. I wouldn't talk to anybody else. Oh, yeah. Um, Freshman year, public speaking, 101, terrified, terrified. My brother used to be my voice. And then I guess just after kind of like being forced out there, which I don't recommend so many times, it just became a thing after a while. And like, even with the podcast, I get nervous to just like talk because it is public. And I'm just like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to get my words confused. I don't like all these things. (laughs) It's a big thing to put yourself out there. And we love that you do. So thank oh, you for being well, thank you. you. It is, I feel comfortable. I think your comfortability has a lot to do with how you articulate yourself and how consistently you're able to do that. Um, what was it? Okay, so I know a lot of the big chunks that we hear a lot are um, memory loss and memory fog. And that'll kind of like jump us into... Um, dementia, Alzheimer's, you know, different things of that nature where there's literally the deterioration of like your brain and like your body. Um, How can speech help in that situation if someone is having trouble just remembering names or just what's in front of them? Like I know my grandma, she experiences that and you can put something that she knows, you know, she knows what it is, but she just has a hard time getting it out. Mm hmm. So when it comes to language, so a lot of the time our title sounds like speech language pathologist or speech therapist. That's the it's the official title that we we often hear. And 
as a clinician, when I go up to work with somebody and I'm seeing them for their cognitive difficulties, such as memory loss or not knowing the word that it is that's in front of them, even though they're like, I know that. They clearly said all those words. I know that. When I go up and I say, hi, my name's Lenora. I'm from speech therapy. I'm, I'd like to talk to you for a little bit. Is that okay if I sit down? And they go, speech therapy, but nothing's wrong with my speech. And I'll say, you are correct. There is nothing wrong with your speech, as in what they're saying as in the clarity and the intelligibility of their speech. Now, some of the clients that I would work with when I was in um, when I was in the hospital setting or in the nursing home setting, they this was when I was in person and they would say, there's nothing wrong with my speech. Oftentimes when we are online with better speech, the person has sought us out for their communication difficulties or somebody is there with them. So it's not as much of a surprise when they say, oh, I'm talking with a speech therapist. So when we get called in, in the, when we're in, in person, people are surprised to hear, hear about us. And all they often say, well, I'm here to see how you're swallowing, or I'm here to see how your memory is. Then they go, oh, that makes me because they often know that something is their, their memory, they're having difficulty with their memory. And it may be something as like, so for example, if, if you're listening to this and you cannot see me, I'm holding a pen. So for example, if your grandmother had said, can you pass me that rather than can you pass me the pen or this? What I know what this is, this, this, yeah, I know what this is. They're yeah. clearly saying, I know what this is. Can you pass me that? But what they're having difficulty with is what we would refer to as the target word when they're actually having trouble naming that object. That is an actual difficulty when they can't produce the name or they go, um, yeah, I had that last night for dinner. You know, whatchamacallit, that thing for dinner, you know, you know. And they're using a lot of filler words because they can't actually come up with the target word, the content word that would explain to you that they had a burger for dinner or that they had French fries. And that can be very, very common. When it comes to dementia, especially um, dementia isn't something that happens immediately overnight, literally overnight, whereas a stroke can happen overnight. And it's very, very immediate. With dementia, it's a progressive decline. So they might have what you would consider brain fog, that they might not be able to remember people's, people's names from time to time, or they're forgetting things more frequently, or suddenly they're not taking their medication when they used to be really on point to take their medication. And you'll notice shifts like that, especially if you start to notice bigger shifts, such as you're finding their keys in the freezer, or you're finding toilet paper next to the TV remote when it probably shouldn't have been there. So things that are starting to be out of place, those are indicators of memory loss. Something else is going on when you're starting to see abnormal things like that. And it's not necessarily abnormal behavior. They clearly got up, they got dressed, they had a meal. But when you're finding milk in the bathroom, that's a problem because now they're having difficulty understanding the appropriate placement of the item and where it belongs. Or if they go to the grocery store and on occasion they might forget their wallet, but now they've shopped in there for two hours and they don't have their wallet because they left it at home. 
it happens from time to time. But when you notice bigger things like that, like how could you not, you always have your bag. What do you mean you left the house without your bag? Those are the types of things that we're, ta we're talking about when it comes to memory loss. What can also happen with dementia is a loss of language. Now you might hear terms like aphasia or um, the way that it's spelled is A-P-H-A-S-I-A. And a lot of the time we don't hear that word too often unless you you had some you know somebody that had a stroke. And aphasia is simply the loss of language. And don't forget language is two parts. We have the receptive part of language, and then we have the expressive part of language. So they can have difficulty understanding language. They can have difficulty understanding that you ask them a, a question and they don't know what you ask them. They can also have difficulty expressing that when they're having that loss of language. And this is a point that in our field, we love to drive home because it's so important. Loss of language is a loss of language. It is not a loss of intelligence. Just yes. like when, when children don't have those verbal skills, they go, oh, aren't you cute? And you're like, he's four years old. He knows what he's talking about. You're not understanding him. He's understanding you. Again, it's, it's not a loss of language. It's not a loss of intelligence. He knows what he wants. This is the same concept when we have individuals that experience strokes or dementia. And when they experience aphasia, they literally can't tell you what they want because they don't have the vocabulary for it. And that can be something that we see in patients that have Alzheimer's, dementia, stroke, Parkinson's. It is a it is an unfortunate but common one that we see when it comes to aphasia. Um. When you say that, that makes me think of um, if you do have like a family member or friend who is in an assisted living facility or something like that, that you would want for the facility to have even more patience and level of care. Um, and that's just another added thing to look for, right? Because there are mm -hmm. going to be moments where you're not there. And will you be patient enough to hear my loved one? you know, while they're trying to express their needs, you know, um, of the, I don't go to a lot of elderly facilities, but <laughs> the ones that I have been in, I never even see that as an option. You know, I, I see more of the times than just kind of guessing or assuming what the person wants. Oh, they just want apple juice. Well, how do you know that? You haven't allowed them to complete their thought or to really mm -hmm kind of hear them out for what they want. So just to know that this is an option, I feel like is really gonna help people because how, how many of us really know that this is an added level of care that we can give our loved ones? Absolutely. I know. <laughs> and especially when, when you're, so, so we are an online speech therapy company. When you're with a loved one and you're starting to notice cognitive difficulties, you can reach out to us at Better Speech. You, you can absolutely reach out to a clinician and we offer that beautiful uh, complimentary 15-minute consultation. But also the nice thing is, is that let's say your loved one is still at home. For the most part, they're able to take care of themselves. They're able to make sure the doors are locked. They're able to feed themselves, but something else is going on. But they don't qualify for advanced setting nursing home. Not everybody is appropriate to go to a nursing home. Not everybody is appropriate to go to assisted living and people are perfectly safe on an independent level. And having speech therapy is a support to offer, okay, let's make sure that you're taking your medication at the appropriate time. How can we set it up so that your life is easier? 
How can we, how can we organize your bills so that your life is easier so that you can keep track of things? Cause as we age, things just aren't always operating at the optimal level that we would love them to be. But that doesn't mean that we cannot put strategies in place. That doesn't mean that we can't put tools and techniques in place to support you, to keep you in your home for as long as possible. That is the most important. And to recognize that you might be having memory difficulties, not the easiest thing. But the nice thing is, is that A, this is an option. B, the fact that you recognize it or that your loved one recognizes it means that you are loved, you are cared about, you are important, and we can absolutely help. It doesn't mean that the individual is stupid. It doesn't mean that the individual can't care for themselves. It's none of this. It is truly, there's some difficulty. We can address it early on, and that is putting in place that additional preventative care in the in the preventative of we don't want this to advance as quickly as possible we want to put the things in place so that we are aware so that we can slow the progression as much as possible we can maintain where we are ideally maintain where we are and have that high quality of life that we want and have that high quality care in our home the yeah. way that we want on our terms And that is truly, 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 truly what I hope people understand and what I would want most for them. Absolutely. is Enjoy staying in your home. Stay home. (laughs) I just feel like I just would imagine that that is a really, as a a caretaker for a loved one who is going through such challenges, what would be the best way to approach that? That's a great question. I know my grandma is very independent, very, you know, I can do things for myself. I don't want help, which is admirable. But then there comes a season where you do need help and to tread on, you know, um, just be more cautious in how you approach that. You want to bring it up to them. But what's the best way to do that? What would you recommend? That is an amazing question. I (laughs) love that you pointed it out that way, especially when you say a season. And that people understand that it's not from now until the end of life, that it is a season. And and when you do bring things up to to loved ones, bring it up with the, the most sincere, gentle kindness that you can possibly have. Because if you go at somebody and you go, you're having memory problems and you know it. Woo. Not successful. <laughs> not successful. <laughs> not successful at all. But if you go up to somebody and you're saying, you know, I noticed that there was there was some milk in the bathroom. Are you okay? Is there anything I can do? And to let them know if you're having memory difficulties or if you're, if you're noticing some things, I'm here to support you and I want you to stay here as long as possible. Let's talk with your doctor. Let's reach out to Better Speech. Let's call, um, you know, our, our physical therapy family, whatever it may be, if it is related to speech, great, you know, we're here, but when you're, when you're coming to somebody and saying sincerely that you have concern for their own safety and that you want to help, let them know that you want to be there to help that they are, that they may be having a difficulty, not that they are the difficulty, not that they are the problem they are experiencing a problem. When you can 
observe and say, you know, it seems like you might be going through a little bit of difficulty right now. Do you notice any difficulty with your memory? Okay. I used you a lot in there. Verse, might you, might anything be going on with your thinking skills? I only used it once there. Change your language. The softer you can, the softer you can be in your language and the kinder and more gentler you can be when you're talking to somebody, the better it will be as an outcome. You're not there to create the problem. You're there to help solve the problem. And that's a good thing. And amen that people are in place for that. And that is, that is a good thing. So be as gentle as you can. Definitely. I know um, there are times where my grandma would know I'm her granddaughter or she would know that I am my dad's daughter, but she couldn't, my name just would not come, right? Mm-hmm. She'd be like, oh, that's Steph's daughter or that's my grandbaby, you know, and it it, it, will, it will break your heart. It breaks my heart. But at the same time, realizing that um, the way that she's expressing what she remembers is not a lack of love or a lack of care or a lack of the memories of the person or the the times that we've shared. It's still there. It's just expressed differently. And now I can have the voice and the capacity to remember for both of us. Hey, grandma, you remember that time you did this and it was so fun or this or so just kind of think of it as anybody who's kind of going through that, just kind of think of it as I get to be the storyteller this time around. Oh, I love that. You know, now you get to sit back and I get to tell you the stories from my perspective, right? And then Mm -hmm. what's great is you get to kind of control the narrative. (laughs) So you can add any kind of silly, crazy things that you want and it will just liven them up, right? And a lot of times I will tell her the story and if she wants to hear it again, I know there have been moments where I've switched it up just for my own sanity. Mm-hmm. Um, but look at it that way is you get to be the storyteller, right? Like you get the pin because you're the next generation. So I love that. That's a beautiful way of reframing that. Wow. That was awesome. Right. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I just, I know that that's a very difficult thing, right? And looking at the order of life, how it typically should be is you're, you outlive your parents and your grandparents, but sometimes it doesn't work that way. Sometimes you have to step into a role sooner or do something that you didn't anticipate for your life. And you're equipped with the grace and the mercy to do that. How are you going to do that? <laughs> that was so beautifully said. Learning every day. My four-year-old, I have to give so much credit. God gave me a phenomenal four-year-old who has just refined all the roughness of me (laughs) and just really brought out the, the, one of the best versions of myself. And so I absolutely love that. Like, man, you want to talk about um, (laughs) uh, a little lightning bolt of correction? That, that is definitely my little guy for sure. For sure. Um, but then just he he's led me here to just open up more doors and just connect with you and just allow people to see that there's more than one way to do something. There's more than one way to love. There's more than one way to navigate a challenge with family or friends. We're all 
but here to help. And so my little guy has thrusted me to the front <laughs> for this for now until he gets um, his verbal language together and chooses to come in here and discuss with you guys. You guys are stuck with me. <laughs> um, I think we are blessed with you and oh, with him. That's so sweet. He's so sweet. You're so just so just a beautiful soul all the time. Are you? It's like this this like radiation, like Have you met you, right? so positive. It's just so flippy. Have you met you? Man, okay. After Cubby, okay, guys, so off topic. Cubby <laughs> ate my pod or my AirPod while we were interviewing um one of the the earlier episodes and he handled it so beautifully oh my the Lord. level of shock and just like ptsd that just washed over me it was i felt frozen and you handled it so beautifully guys she didn't crack at all she was just like oh that happened okay shock Shock is very powerful. Um, but back to speech for adults. Um, have you ever noticed that um, when an adult is having difficulty in speech and you're talking to them in your everyday life, that um, you can see them kind of like wanting help? Because you're a speech pathologist, so I'm sure you're around like lots of people do you ever just do they ever just kind of like say hey um how's my speech you recommend or how's my speech how am i coming across are you understanding do you a lot of, a lot of people do a lot of people do and and as as a speech pathologist you're you're not thinking about somebody else's speech how clear is that s how clear is that k how clear is that we're not often thinking about that at least i'm not um but people do ask me and i would good say i would say probably that 99 of the time I'm like you're doing great you're fine you know because they've, they've been communicating and they're not thinking about it until they go oh they might be testing me and i'm like nope i'm not <laughs> Well, we thank you so much for joining us. We can't wait for the next episode. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I don't know how to turn off recording, so I'll just cut this out. Oh, um, okay. You, you are so awesome.